Once again, and welcome to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I am genuinely glad that you decided to hang out with me here today. So what is today's topic? Here goes. Does having friends matter? Do we honestly need to have friendships? Is it worth the potential hurt to show your hand at the table. But why we ask is that it's not a cut and dry question for everyone. Not everyone feels friends are worth it. Even in pop culture, this has been something that's been touched upon time and again. One example that I remember is uh, I Am a Rock, written in 1965 by Paul Simon. Remember that song? I'll refresh your memory. The lyrics went in part like this. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I am shielded in my armor. Hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock. I am an island and a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. That's powerful stuff. Can you or have you ever been able to relate to this? Is it really hard? for you to make and maintain friendships? Do you make friends easily? What do you even consider a friend? That's what we're gonna be talking about today. So let's get started. The website helpguide.org describes a friend like this. They say a friend is someone you trust and with whom you share a deep level of understanding and communication. A good friend will do a number of things. A good friend will show genuine interest in what's going on in your life, what you have to say, and how you think and feel. They'll listen to you attentively without judging you. Telling you how to think or telling you how to feel is something that they're not going to do, and they're not going to try to change the subject when you're talking. A true friend also is going to feel comfortable sharing things about themselves with you because there's a trust factor. Now, as friendship works both ways, a friend is also someone you feel comfortable supporting and accepting, and someone with whom you share a bond of trust and loyalty. What I find interesting is there's a lot of different concepts of friendships. Some of them are pretty shallow. Those tend to look pretty easy to be a part of from the outside. But that's really not what we're delving into here. You see, when you need someone or someone needs you, it has to go deeper than the fact that both of you like the same beer or like shopping or follow the same football teams. There there needs to be more to a friendship for it to really have substance. Now, it's not that you can't do those other things too, but when depth and compassion and empathy enter the picture, it takes the concept of friendship to another level. We can have a lot of buddies, but how many people legitimately are our friends? 
Just a warning right off the bat, more than usual, way more than usual. This podcast is going to be a little soul-bearing for me. I hope you don't mind. Maybe you'll be able to relate. Maybe not. Hopefully, it'll be an interesting ride for you. Let's get started before I decide to change my mind. Personally, I have two tendencies when it comes to friends that I constantly have to work on. It's a work in progress. See, if I'm close to someone and they move away, or if I do, instinctively, my first go-to feeling is to block them out. They are gone, so they are gone. I still love them. In my thinking, though, it's, it's over. With very few exceptions, I have done this to most people my entire life. I know it's terrible. And again, I promise you I'm working on this. So that's one tendency here. Here's a second tendency I struggle with and see if you can relate. If you were a friend from a time in my life when looking back on it, I'm embarrassed by the person that I used to be at that time. You may be a reminder of this and I may avoid you on purpose, knowingly so, even though you have not done a blessed thing wrong. And again, please, please, please realize none of these things are your imperfections. They're my immaturities. And I promise you that I'm working on these things. Here's an example. I grew up in Southern California with a friend named Jason. Now, Jason and I were inseparable growing up all the way through high school. In high school, he was a grade above me. But during the time that we were in high school, you basically would not see one of us without seeing the other one. I used to tagline my, my old eclectic blogs, media conglomerate, especially the website, to be, quote, for music head consumption. Well, that came from somewhere. It came from this friendship. People literally called Jason and I music heads. We lived and breathed music. And at that time and in that place in suburbia, California in the 1980s, music in its various forms at the time were literally and almost magically all around us. And it was extremely eclectic from new wave K-rock music to Hollywood metal and the country club and the whiskey and the troubadour to classic rock to the golden age of hip hop to Prince to everything else. In fact, here's a fun fact. Do you remember the 80s teen pop star Tiffany? She actually lived on Jason Street when we were all in elementary school. Well, back to the subject at hand. I had not spoken to Jason for decades after high school. And then one day, I got a phone call. He reached out to me. Now, one would think there was no falling out. We never disliked each other. I should have run to this opportunity to reconnect and have total appreciation for his reaching out. But I didn't at all. No fault of his. But here's why. And it's not an excuse as much as it's something that I need to work on. My inner battle is this. When I think Jason, 
I'm instantly embarrassed of who I personally was at the time when we hung out. Bluntly, that Chris Levine and thinking about him makes me very, very sad. I, I had absolutely no self-esteem. I was scared of everything. And essentially, I was a follower. I was naive, and you could easily have laughed at or shrugged me off at that time in my life. Since then, I've made it a goal for years now to try to be better. And decades later, I feel like I've somewhat improved. But then I get a phone call. And when this genuinely, completely genuine man reaches out to me, and I keep him at arm's length, it's because instantly I mentally fall into the headspace of that insecure person that I was back then. And it's both overwhelming and heavy. Maybe I can describe it like this. Have you ever seen on television when a police officer sadly asks parents to identify their deceased son or daughter and their reactions when the sheet is pulled back and they have to see them. That's how I feel looking back at me from decades ago. And my friends at the time, for the most part, just by their presence, and again, through absolutely no fault of theirs, inadvertently pull back that sheet, and I have to look. Now, before I go on, for the record, I plan on trying harder to be better. As a start, I'm going to send the link to this episode to Jason. And if you, sir, have decided to listen to this, I just want to take a moment and thank you for being an extremely important part of my life and for all of your efforts to reconnect. They haven't gone unnoticed. You're good. I promise. It's me. I'm sorry. And I love you. Now, some people effortlessly have friendships. Everybody's their friend. They just have that thing. I see these ones and I wonder why, in my case, friendship has to be this tricky. But human beings and our psychology in, in all of its glory tend to overcomplicate everything. And I am by no means an exception to this rule. So you ask yourself, is it a fear of getting hurt? A fear of, of letting someone in? In my case, I know it's not really a trust issue because... I don't think anybody's done anything to me that would make me not trust them. Let's get some help together. On Psychology Today's site, an author whose name ironically is Irene Levine, no relation to me, to my knowledge, though I have to say I'm slightly jealous of the fact that she has a name that rhymes, wrote a piece called When Anxiety Gets in the Way of Friendship. Here's some nice takeaways from that. One thought was that often well-meaning friends expect people with anxiety disorders to just snap out of it. Unfortunately, the anxious person, they already know something's wrong, and that just makes them worry to excess. They just can't change it on their own, especially quickly. She also says that when you feel close to someone, it's natural that you would want those feelings to be reciprocated. But your anxiety over a friendship is excessive because it's so uncomfortable and troubling to you. This complicates things. And so what happens? Uh, we become a rock or an island. We retreat. 
So what can we do? Well, we have to be vulnerable and leave ourselves open and available, no matter how hard that is. For the introverted and the sensitive, this is really hard, like murder hard. It, it goes against the way we're made. But the question is, is it worth it? And again, I don't just mean associates. I mean really good, tried and true friends. Good friends, the ones that bring out the best in you, the ones that encourage you and vice versa. Another article mentioned that to have good friends, you have to be a good friend yourself. And I love how it's put. It says that the real generally always recognize the real. So if you're not being real with someone and you're not a good friend, you probably won't find it easy to be surrounded by good friends. Lastly, my wife always says something, and I, I don't know where she got it, but I, it's brilliant. She says that sometimes we have friends for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. All of them legitimate friends, but some for a reason, some for a season, and some for a lifetime. You know what? I believe this. Some friendships are extremely superficial and extremely shallow, but you know what? That's okay because others are monumental and deep. There's room for everyone. Just remember this, please. And this is something just to take from this whole thing. Don't make not having friends a viable option. In addition to those you just hang out with, make real friends, ones who want to help you and ones who you want to help. Ones that can take your idiosyncrasies and you can take theirs. Ones who make you laugh, make you think, make you better, and vice versa. These tangible and ironclad relationships will not always make the storm go away, but they'll help you to get through it. Well, we once again have arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to musically bring our topic to life. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, Friendship, Obey Your Thirst playlist. You can find it really easy on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Friendship Obey Your Thirst. I try not to repeat artists on these lists too often or to make them too obvious, but sometimes the perfect tie-in to the theme is just too good not to use. So let's see what we have cooking for you this time. Track number one is You're Gonna Need Someone on Your Side by Morrissey. I had the pleasure of interviewing two guys that were in his band on this record at the time, the guitar player, one of them, Boz Borer, and the drummer, Spencer Cobran. Boz was really, really funny, and Spencer was whatever the opposite of obnoxious is. Uh, two really nice guys. So you're going to need someone on your side by Morrissey. Number two, My Friends by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Interesting side note, I actually saw them with Jason in 1990. Number three, Friendship is a Small Boat in a Storm by easily one of my absolute favorite band names ever, 
Chicano Batman. Number four, You're My Best Friend by Queen. Number five, No One to Depend On by Santana. Number six is I Just Want to Be Your Friend. It's a nice little sunshiny pop song by a group called The Millennium from their 1968 release called Begin. Number seven is Need You Around by Smoking Popes. Number eight is Friends by the Beach Boys. Number nine is Two of Us by the Beatles. Of course, that's from the Let It Be album. And number 10 is Waiting on a Friend by the Rolling Stones. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. I seriously hope you listen to it and enjoy it. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash friendship, obey your thirst. On behalf of the Refresher Podcast, listen, you guys are absolutely the greatest. I humbly once again want to share with you that this podcast now has contributors that financially donate monthly to keep it going. If you would like to join them and make a small monthly contribution, the support this podcast link on Spotify right underneath the episode description gives you the options of contributing either 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. If you are so inclined, that would be great. Please do. If not, that's okay too. Another podcast of note is the Managing Expectations podcast. Check it out on Spotify. It's well worth it. Uh, they have a really good thing going there. Uh, two hosts, uh, Jeff and Brian, they have a really good chemistry, and they have a nice group of people that pop in and pop out on the show. Just a really good pop culture program. It's a good listen. That's the Managing Expectations podcast on Spotify. And also... There is the 7208 podcast on Spotify, too, where my son Harrison and I tackle pop culture together multi-generationally. That is the 72 podcast, I'm sorry, 7208 podcast on Spotify. Harrison, for the record, you are a rad kid. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late. And it was written by John Fuerte. It's a nice little slice of jangle pop for you to open and close the show. Listen, until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Do me a big favor. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor. And remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time. Thank you.